welcome in to another edition of The Roost Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bartlett, Director and Managing Editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice football news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. You know, I shouldn't be rusty since we're mid-season, but I am breaking in my duties as Carter can't make it this week, so you are stuck with me to review the... What week are we in? We're in, I guess, the week nine, game number eight of the Rice football season. We're going to talk about the Tulane game, which ended in a way that Rice football fans kind of are frustrated with, and yeah, you kind of should be because, man, and we're going to unpack it. This was a game that, man, it really felt like Rice Rice could have won. I thought the Gabe Taylor interception where he takes that back 73 yards you punch it into the end zone. You get it neck and neck. That kind of felt like a turning point moment. Had Rice just been able to find a way to get off the field. And I guess we'll start there. Let's start with the defense. And it was. It kind of felt like it was just a bit of your own medicine, I think might be the proper way to say it. You know, you watch the end of the first or the end of the second half rather last weekend against Tulsa, where Rice is able to basically have two drives that milk off 28 or 18 minutes of clock and basically just prevent Tulsa from having any chance from catching up whatsoever. That's what Tulane was able to do and slam the door against Rice on Saturday to the point where, and I, I don't really understand what Tulane was doing at the end of the game there, they had Michael Pratt chuck the ball like a million miles into the sky. I I thought the better play was to take a shot at the end zone because, you know, you're up by two. You get a touchdown there, the game is over. And it doesn't matter how many seconds are left. But they gave Rice one shot at a hook and ladder and it, it didn't work. So, but it is what it is. The game was kind of over. At that point, you know, Rice loses Josh Piercy on defense in this game, which really stung. We'll kind of update his status throughout the weeks, but or the week rather, but it's not looking like, um, well, it's early, but he might not be available to go against SMU this weekend, and that would be, would be really killer, kind of the heart and soul of the Rice defense, and he'll be missed. But I, I think for the most part, the thing that – kind of stood out the most. It didn't matter if Josh Pierce was on the field or who wasn't on the field for the defense is the play in the trenches kind of defined this game. And that's part of this, this that is kind of the most troubling because I don't know how, how, how schematic of a fix exists. You just kind of got out toughed. And that's something that I don't really think I could really say about this defense other than maybe the Texas game. Uh, I thought they were like, I thought the UConn offensive line was surprisingly really good, but you know, Rice, Rice even had moments against UConn where you kind of saw those flashes, but against Tulane, they just got beat off the ball time and time and time again. And, you know, two late runners had so much ample room to work with before they even reached, had somebody touch them. That was a problem. 
And the same kind of was true, you know, for passing lanes. I thought you gave uh, Michael Pratt often, more often than not, had one second, or maybe not even, but a half a second too long to throw the football. There was a bunch of throws, I noticed particularly early in the game, where when Tulane was going out and building that lead, where Michael Pratt just gets, he celebrated one score from his back. (laughs) Like, he just goes and gets leveled, but he makes the throw had that flag route uh, to the corner of the end zone where he's just laying on his back celebrating a touchdown. And that was kind of indicative, I thought, of the defensive performance for Rice on the day. I thought they were aggressive. I thought they took risks. I liked a lot of those things. But at the end of the day, they could not get off the field. And a big part of that was because they just could not control the line of scrimmage. And that's, you know, when you have Tulane has that eight-minute drive at the end of the game, to ice the game, that's that's what it was. And, you know, you got another couple tough opponents coming up. UTSA, I think their defense and, and front seven has been a bit more questionable, but SMU this coming weekend, they got some horses. So it's going to be really interesting to, to watch. And I think that's a matchup that we're going to have to circle. I think you look at the rest of the defense as a whole and – you had both of your safeties play Wyatt and Jonathan Jean lead the team in tackles. That's not great. Gabe Taylor was third. Also not great. Uh, Sean Taylor sixth. When your secondary has all the, is leading, is leading the team in tackles. You got a problem up front. Uh, I thought, and in general, I thought the tackling was pretty substandard in this game. I think you have to be very, very fortunate that things ended the way they did. I want to actually credit Sean Fresh because there were a couple occasions where, uh, you know, <laughs> golly, the Tulane uh, running back, uh, Makai Hughes, was he ran a, one of the most impressive runners that Rice has faced this year. The power with that he ran with was it was a problem, and he had a couple occasions where he would just either make the first guy miss or run through him. And Sean Fresh actually had a couple tackles out on the edge as, you know, the last line of defense making that tackle, which uh, the size difference there, uh, notable. And, you know, Sean Fresh, a good run stopper, uh, something he's always been. So, you know, hand him his flowers there. But I think in general, that's the one thing fundamentally I think that Rice did poorly that they can do better because tackling is tackling like hey this is basic college football 101 and I think that's something that for the most part bringing it down to the basics I think that's something that the staff has done pretty good with especially on defense when it comes to addressing things like that so we'll see if they can bounce back but defensive performance I mean if you get off the field one more time then nobody cares but uh, Rice forced uh, one field goal in the second quarter. Tulane missed it. Uh, they had the interception from uh, Gabe Taylor that we talked about that was run back. And then right after that, this was a potential swing moment in the game. They force a three and out, and the offense can't capitalize and punts it right back. But you're looking at, you know, adding this up live on the fly. Uh, three, six, nine. 
you're looking at 10 drives for Tulane, and you stop them from scoring on, we'll call it three, nine drives before the end of the game on that clock-killing drive, and if Tulane won points on that drive, you know, they, they, they accomplished what they needed to. So Rice, Rice just has to find a way to get off the field, and if you're not going to get off the field, you got to do better than giving up a couple of touchdowns in the red zone. I think Rice has been pretty good on on the whole with red zone defense this year and been able to force a lot of stops and a lot of field goals, but one three and out. Uh, conversely, the Rice offense had the three and out on four separate occasions. It just it's not going to get it done. So I, I think defense performance. You know, they after the the three inter, or three turnover game they had against Tulsa, you were like, oh yeah. Uh, it was not as good against Tulane. Tulane has a much better quarterback and a much better offense, so we're grading on a curve here, but I think you just want to see a little bit more. We flip over to the offensive side of the football. Um, JT Daniels, 189 yards, complete 62% of his passes. Uh, I mean, big picture, you, you have those Rice three and outs in Tulane, you know, has those extended drives, and Rice runs 48 plays in this game. Tulane ran 70. That's a 22-play edge. So Rice really didn't have the ball that often. You look at just general yards per play, Rice averages 5.6 yards per play, and Tulane averages 6.5. You know, Tulane has the net 457, 271 total yardage lead. Uh, They have more first downs, but... On the whole, the Tulane offense 5 for 13 on third down, Rice 4 of 9 on third down. The offensive performance was pretty solid. And I think if they get, uh, and I wrote about this in, in the post game takeaways, but a big problem was when Rice goes three and out and the defense gives up a long, sustained drive like that, that three and out becomes amplified. That offensive miscue. The, the fact that you have to wait so long to get another opportunity when you do, you've given up seven, it it compounds on itself. So I don't know if you, I, you can't put all that blame on the offense and you can't put all the blame on the defense. It's a both thing. But that's something that I've noticed with this team is, and, and the Tulsa game is actually a perfect example. The offense didn't really, they had that second quarter lull. And I wrote about this. Rice has actually been doubly productive from a point scoring basis in every other quarter than they've been in the second quarter. Second quarter has been their worst of the year by far. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's been an issue. And that has kind of caught up with them. And then they've had to play keep up or uh, catch up. And that's kind of kind of snowballed and, and turned some strong starts into, you know, games that Rice doesn't want to be in. That's not the game script they want to be in. So I think just all in all, <sighs> kind of frustrating. But if we kind of step back and just look big picture at the offense, you know, you had a couple three and outs against a, a pretty feisty defense. And you're at the point where there wasn't really a point in this game, especially when Rice got going, you know, in the second half, where you got the ball and you you just felt like Rice couldn't score. You know, Rice scores 21 points, outscores Tulane 21-3 to in the second half, and 
you know, Rice has one three and out. And other than that, you have a 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, a two-play, three-yard touchdown drive, and a six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. So they, they didn't really feel like that Rice was going to be unable to score. And that's basically where we're at with this offense, that they're not going to be perfect. You know, you'd, you'd love a game where they hang 69 points like uh, to Tulsa was, or uh, sorry, SMU was able to do against Tulsa this past weekend. And, and it might be coming. You know, I I think Charlotte might be that bad. So maybe we get the revenge there and they get to lay some wood. But yeah, I think the offense is going to be fine. I think, and JT made a comment for the first time. He said, you know, maybe not practicing as much as I'd like to is kind of coming back. And that's kind of contributed to some of my slow starts. And he started the week at practice on, on Monday. And, you know, I was a more of a full participant on Monday than I think I've seen him since before the UCF game and the injury. So maybe that's a good sign. It's just an easy correction that he's feeling. And he's feeling better. And you got to remember that JT's still playing on a, a bum ankle that he hasn't been at 100%. And if this is 80% of JT, my goodness, if we can get 100% going forward, that might be really nice. So, uh, you know, offense, I you can get, get quibble a little bit with the three and outs. I think there have been some drops. And, and, you know, JT's missed some throws in a couple key situations. And it just so happens that those have been on third downs. And it is what it is. All right. Not great, but you look at this, and then you look at the running game. Rice averages 4.3 a carry. JT Daniels, and forgive me because I did not, I don't know how we didn't bring this up on the Tulsa podcast, but uh, in the Tulsa game, JT Daniels has a rushing touchdown. Second of his career, first one that wasn't on a designed uh, QB sneak. And, you know, I talked to some folks this week. He has mentioned it in in the locker room that he he scored a rushing touchdown. I think everybody is kind of shocked and surprised. I, I thought it was hilarious. I talked with Dean Connors afterwards, and uh, he heard a defender audibly explain exclaim on the field what the heck just happened, <laughs> except he didn't say, heck, you can fill in your colorful word of choice. But, yeah, everyone was surprised on that play. But uh, JT got in, and fast forward to this game, you have a third and long, and JT Daniels runs for 16 yards. We did check, not a career long. He had a 20-yard run, but man, <laughs> maybe he heard that people were, you know, laughing at him and saying you can't run, but now he can run. So, uh, man, it, it was great, and they needed it, and he came through just when they needed to. So, so clutch. The clutchness gene of JT Daniels is what makes me believe that they can hang with anybody they play. And they hung with Tulane. Tulane was, I think, the final line closed at 10.5 points. And it was it was a neck-and-neck neck game that could have gone either way. So offensively, you know, we talked a little bit running game. Uh, Juma, Ottaviano, 4.2 yards a carry. Dean Connor, 4.6. Both had explosive runs. Juma has two touchdowns. Uh, he finishes with a short run and uh, has a longer one, too. Uh, just looked like vintage Juma. And you had Dean making some good cuts. I thought running really, really hard. You got to be, you got to be really happy 
about the running game. I know they only finished with 82 yards, but remember, 48 plays didn't have a lot of football trailing there at the end. I think I think the running game was effective. Maybe if Rice doesn't have to come from behind and they're able to be more balanced earlier, then those numbers look a little bit better. But uh, for the most part, they were able to run the football. That was not the problem. It was now three games in a row where the running game has really kind of started to find life. And that's encouraging. Uh, receiving game, uh, Elijah Maharo sighting. That was fun. Uh, you got a couple guys. I'm looking at spread nine different people got a pass in this game for Rice. Uh, Bowden Groen gets his first career touchdown pass. And then Luke McCaffrey. My, <laughs> it has his helmet come off scoring a touchdown again, which I don't, you know, respond wherever you go find us on social media or or reach out and let us know do you remember another scoring play just in your history as a football fan where you have seen the receiver who caught the touchdown pass lose his helmet and I'm I was just I'm struggling to kind of think of that happening and I'm sure it has happened but if it has happened does anybody have it happen again? The, the fact that it, it, it kind of felt like we were in deja vu, and he goes in the end zone, has the helmet ripped off, and jumps up in the air, hands raised, celebrating the touchdown. I was just like, have we seen this movie before? It kind of felt like that. But all that to say, I was talking with JT after the game, and I said, you know, ha- tell me about the, be- the ability to, to go just find Luke in that moment. And, you know, he talked about how a bunch of teams have had to scheme to do their best to scheme out Luke, to, to double cover him, to bracket him, to kind of move things around, to make sure that he is not the one that can beat them. But JT said it the best is, you know, you know, when you need him, when you absolutely need him to be open, he's open. He's open until he's, or he's, he's covered until he's not is what JT said. And that kind of was a fitting of this game. He finishes five catches, 79 yards with that 35-yard touchdown run. I did like they had a couple plays moving horizontally where they were able to scheme touches for him. I thought that was really good play calling that that paid dividends, and I think they kind of spread the ball around elsewhere. I think you'd love to see somebody else kind of rise up and you know we thought at times maybe that was Ross McNeil maybe that was Landon Ransom just hadn't had a true number two emerge Matt Sykes had a drop in this game tough pass under pressure but you know on a third down kind of wish that he's able to grab those he can get his confidence back they still would love to him to be a key part of this offense it's just not happening yet but you know big picture if the defense were kind of a bit down on, I think you got to be pretty up on the offense. And I think together, uh, if you can get, we're, we're, I mean, and we're talking about a two point loss to the number 22 team in the country that came down to literally the final second. If you give Rice one, if, if Rice gets the ball with no timeouts and there's a minute and six seconds left in this game and they need a field goal, what odds, you know, Spot them at the twenty yard line or whatever. What odds do you think they have at winning? Like fifty fifty. The fact that we're talking about Rice being in a position where they're fifty fifty heads up against the standard of the AAC, 
after finishing below 500 in Conference USA, I think that matters. And I'm also was really refreshed afterwards where, and there were a bunch of questions after in the post-game press conference about kind of like, you know, is there a sense of validation or do you, how encouraged are you that, you know, you were able to lose close, basically. And I think Bloomgren said basically all the, all the right things, but you could kind of tell that he's over it and was like, yeah, it's great, but we wanted to win. And I kind of think that that's a stage where, I don't know, maybe this the, the mindset of this program has changed. And I think that's a good thing. I think it sets them up well for what they want to do and where they want to be. Um, we haven't talked about special teams. I do want to close on special teams real quick. And, huh, well, so first things first, Rice's solution to field goals being missed is not kick field goals. And, and you know, frankly, they, they didn't really need to kick any field goals uh, of any pressure against Tulsa, and they didn't kick any field goals against Tulane. And that's the easiest way to avoid missing field goals is to not kick them. So I I think that they do still have faith and trust in Tim Horn. I think they've seen him in practice, and they're going to be willing to trot him out there to make some kicks. But... I think in the back of Mike Bloomberg's mind is you have to think about where this team has been in years past where they've effectively said, you know, I look back to the 2021 season where basically the second half of the year, they just said, we're not kicking. And they went anytime you were in the plus 30 to 45, they went for it. Basically, fourth and 10, fourth and two. It didn't matter if it was manageable. They were going to roll the dice. And now with JT Daniels as your quarterback, why not? So I I think you'll see Tim Horn get a chance if there is an opportunity that makes sense. But uh, Mike Bloomer has been a lot more aggressive this year, and he's going to stay aggressive. And especially looking forward, you look at games against SMU and UTSA, you don't beat Preston Stone, and you don't beat Frank Harris with field goals. You just don't. So we will still see Tim Horn, I believe, this season, but I think we're going to see less maybe than we might have. Maybe the initial plan was going in. Uh, on punting, uh, Connor Hunt had a 54-yard bomb that kind of rolled. It was perfect. It was exactly what they needed in this game. But had a long of 54, and his average was only 37.8. And had a couple kicks in this game that were just just too short. I mean, plain and simple. Like, that's, that's what you need to do. And Rice got burned on field position in this game has a 38 yard punt that and Tulane gets starting field position at the 45 has a 30 yard punt Tulane starts their their drive on that drive on the 50 yard line and has a 29 yard punt and Tulane starts on the 45 and 
when you have a defense that is lights out perfect, you can have some wiggle room there. That's not what Rice is this year. They are very havoc-based. They're very bend but don't break. But you combine those two things, and you have a punter that's not punting it very far, and you have a defense that is prone to give up some chunk plays. And what do you have? You know, after a couple of those short punts, Tulane is able to, I think about the drive right before halftime, where Tulane goes three plays, 35 yards in 16 seconds and kicks a field goal. And if that's a 45-yard punt and not a 25 or 29-yard punt, a 30-yard punt, then Tulane's not in field goal range. Or they have to take more aggressive shots. It's higher, higher unlike. There's a higher likelihood that they don't get inside field goal range, and you lose. You lose by two points. And I'm don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Rice didn't lost this game because of punting. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it. It all kind of plays in, and you have an offense that stubbed their toe a couple times. You have a defense that couldn't get off the field, and you have a special teams unit that has. It's been underwhelming. And when you have all three, all three of those things have their bad moment at the same moment, it's crippling. And it's why you lose games like this. So uh, I think the offense is going to be the dominant force. They are going to be the biggest strength that this team has. And if their offense is good enough, everything else can balance out. But I think you need decent production from the special teams unit. And I think you need decent production from the defense. And the defense has the advantage of they can be not great at times, but if they make that key interception, that key turnover, that key sack, it paves over a lot of meh. There's no like special teams, like you get like six shots of this. And if you miss one of your six, it hurts, man. So yeah, the bar is a little higher there, but that's the job. So uh, I think that's where it, I, I think you replay this game a, lo- a couple times and Rice gets them. I'm not, Rice doesn't get them every time. I think Tulane still is a really, really good football team, but I think this is a game that Rice fans got to be frustrated with because it felt winnable and it was. And glass half, maybe glass half full. I think that kind of has to give you some confidence going into your next stretch. I was talking with somebody in the press box before the game, and I was saying, I think Rice gets one of the next three, and that was Tulane, SMU, and UTSA. I said, I I have no idea which one they'll get, but I sure feel like they can get at least one of those three. So this weekend, maybe, yeah, sure. I could see them beating SMU. Wouldn't shock me. They have they have the pieces. They've kind of put it together. Rice, still right now, entering Week 10, is the only team in the American Conference with a Power 5 win. I'm sure a lot of people would not have pegged the Owls to be that team, but they are because they've demonstrated that their ceiling when everything is clicking is really, really dang high. So... You know, kind of tying a bow on Tulane, I think you you measure yourself up against the best the American Conference has to offer, and you find yourself that you're right on par. So, you got to win a couple more of these games. Rice four and four, all things considered, a decent start. 
I think may I think maybe we might honestly look at the season a whole lot differently if they beat Tulane. If you're telling me they're five and three right now and two and two in the American, and the loss that you had last week was to Tulane by two points, I think you feel differently. So obviously cannot do that, you know, goose egg that you throw up against UConn. But best way you could do is find a way to get back. And if you were telling me before the season, hey, you can pick one of the two, Rice is going to win one of the two, SMU or Tulane, I think you would have to say SMU was the game you want to win. With them moving to the ACC next year, uh, your one shot playing them at the conference, the in-state rivalry, I just, you want to win both, but this is a game that matters. So, I, I think you are, you're right there, man. You're so close. I don't think you need to make a ton of tweaks. If it sounds coach speaky, I think it's true. I think Rice runs the same run it back, and they're going to get somebody. But, man, it sure would be nice if they get somebody sooner rather than later. Need two wins to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, I think could make things interesting if they're able to hang tight and stick it to SMU, UTSA, one of those two, make it interesting. We'll see. But for the most part, you're not happy because you lost, and I think we've reached that point where I, there isn't any loss that will feel satisfying anymore because this team is too good. But we're also at the point, you look at the Houston win, where this team can punch above their weight class a little bit, and I'm hoping we see that soon. So that's where we're at. Uh, close things out. I am waiting patiently. I think my home field apparel order might be shipping soon. I have, I got a couple shirts coming in. I got the Love You Blue Owls shirt, which I'm particularly excited about. And it'll be here soon. Use the code ROOST. I also noticed that uh, we got from home field, they're doing some basketball stuff because basketball season is here, question mark, apparently. So look out for that. Uh, and you can use that code. You don't have to buy rice stuff with that. You can buy all sorts of, they're doing special stuff with the launch of basketball season, and there'll be some holiday stuff coming on. So you want to send your loved ones or yourself some very nice, comfy collegiate apparel with a big English R or I got to be honest, I said this last week. One of my favorite stuff is, I have it right here, is the big old, was it Sailor Owl? I think I call it Sailor Owl. It's the big old Sailor Owl with the big eye, uh, the the hoodie they have. It's it's fantastic. It's sitting here right on my desk right now. I guess I should be wearing it because we're, we're cold this week, but I got the heater on. Everything's all confused in Texas right now. Nothing makes sense. But shop at Home Field Apparel. Use the code ROOST. Get 15% off. Your first order, support the roost, support Homefield, big, big partner for us, and Dave Campbell's Republic of Football. It's been good, man. I, I cannot believe, and we say this every year, that we're already through week 10 or going into week 10, but it's super, it feels really good that we're in the final portions of the season. We're in the last month of the season. We're talking about meaningful rice football games that matter. And. That's pretty cool. I would like to have more of those. I would like to have some more wins. And I would really like to come back next week with Carter and not talk about a moral victory because we're over those. And I think this team is too. So we will 
rain or shine, no matter what happens, we will be back next week to talk about the Owls, break down their game against SMU. Uh, We will see you then. Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.